Hello and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm Sherry Hoyt and I'm your host. Today I'm talking with Mark Gunther, author of Without Jenny, a powerful story about love and loss and one family's journey through grief. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Mark. Mark Gunther has been many things in his life, student, hippie, cook, husband, carpenter, father, dancer, administrator, musician, entrepreneur, and athlete. He has worked in staff or board roles in small businesses and nonprofit organizations for 40 years. After his daughter Eva was killed by a drunk driver in 1997, he and his wife started the Eva Gunther Foundation to fuel hope in the heart of a girl. You can learn more about the Eva Gunther Foundation at www.evafoundation.org. Mark received an MFA in creative writing in December of 2015, and since then has been published in several literary journals and other publications. Without Jenny is his first novel. To learn more about Mark Gunther and his debut novel, Without Jenny, visit his website at www.markgunther.net. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello, Sherry. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to talking with you. To begin, why don't you tell our listeners what Without Jenny is all about? I call Without Jenny a story of grief and recovery. At the beginning of the book, a uh, woman loses her daughter in a freak accident, and the remainder of the book is the life process of trying to experience that grief and rationalize it and somehow... um, come to a place in life where she can live with it over time. Grief is something that's never done. It's something that you uh, learn to live with and manage in your life. And so uh, this is the story that I wanted to tell was the lived experience of grief and how it affects one individual and one family. Yeah. So your personal experience inspired you to write the story. Yes. And I noticed, well, first of all, I loved your book, and when I started reading it, I was thinking it was a memoir, but I knew it was fiction. But I kept thinking about the parallels in the story to your own life. What are some of the areas in the story that, you know, fact gives way to fiction? The, you know, the details of their family life, the things that they, um, sort of the way that they deal with each other, the way the story develops. The things in the book that are authentic are the moments of experience, the lived moments when the the, uh, character has a particular experience or a particular response to an outside individual, but the story of their family life is fiction. So why did you choose to write a novel instead of a memoir? I think there were two reasons uh, behind that. The first thing is that I needed to abstract the experience from myself. If I was really going to understand what happened to me and what it was, the the experience of grief, as I'm sure you know, and most people know, you you know you have this dullness in your mind, and and things tend to feel the same when you think about it. And so I wanted to separate the experience from myself to write about it abstractly. That's also why I made the protagonist female instead of male. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that. I wanted the story to somehow come to an end. And of course, grief really never has an end. You always, particularly in the, in the case of the loss of a child, you are always experiencing the loss. You're always experiencing the absence. Grief right. is something that happens to you in the present tense. 
it's never something that really goes into the past, even though the memories of the person are in the past. So right. adopting the novel format both allowed me to abstract the experience and write about it and also allowed me to bring the story to an end. And uh, also, I think that one other thing is that I think if I had written a memoir, the tendency to do some preaching would be, uh, you know, here's how to do it, would be overwhelming. And the discipline of the novel was able to prevent me from doing that, just to yeah. tell the story and let the story tell itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You recently got your MFA in creative writing. Did you go back to get your MFA to write this story? Like, did you know? It was actually it was actually the other way around. The year that I turned 60, I took a creative writing class just in the, uh, in the interest of broadening my experience a little bit. And in that class, I wrote a 20-minute uh, dialogue between a husband and a wife who had lost a child. And a year and a half later, I had 90,000 words of text. So I showed this to a couple of friends who were writers, and they said to me, you have something here. You should really learn what you're doing. Mm. So I said, okay, and I went back to school. So yeah. I, I, I enrolled in the uh, MFA program in a nearby university and worked on this novel throughout that program. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, how long did it take you to write the story? It was eight years from the first uh, putting a pen on paper to the publication of the novel. Wow. What was the hardest part about writing it? Um, making the family come alive on the page, mm. you know, making it feel truthful and authentic and engaged. You, you know, it's um, a lot of you can read works that's flat that I really needed to make them come alive. And so this constant stripping away of excess verbiage and excess experience and getting down to the key ideas and feelings and moments that really came alive and would communicate what I wanted to communicate to the reader. Yeah. I, I never would have guessed that would have been your answer because to me, that's where you excelled in the novel, um, just really well, getting those feelings onto the page. Um, amazing. It took a lot of work to move from describing what happened to allowing the experience to become real through words. Right, right. Showing versus telling. Yeah. How did you feel when you finished writing? Like when you wrote the last word, you were done, you were ready to move to the next step. How did you feel? Well, it's it's extremely satisfying to have done it. You know, I think I did a, a, a creditable job, frankly. And, uh, you know, I think I accomplished the goal that I had in the book was to really communicate this lived experience, and I did that. So I felt a great sense of satisfaction, but I'm also animated in writing, and uh, that's become a new... Uh, a new thing for me to what to work on as I move into my golden years. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't know if we can define golden years anymore, huh? <laughs> Age is just a number. Change a lot, as you know. I know health and well, health increases, and uh, you know people's engagement in life increases, and it's a, it is a new world that we're moving into. Yeah. Yeah. You have such a variety of interests. Uh, what are some of the things you do when you're not writing? 
I'm retired from daily work. I have a two nonprofit involvements in which I'm pretty deeply engaged. We began the uh, Eva Gunter Foundation when Eva was when our daughter Eva was killed, and that story, of course, is the inspiration for the novel. Mm-hmm. And the Eva Foundation supports girls' programs and uh, individual girls through our Eva Gunter Fellowship Program, where we uh, give small grants to allow a girl, uh, an accomplished girl, to do something that she dreams of doing but is unable to uh, do because she can't afford it. And so we're able to give small grants to our girls to do things like go to summer camp or go on college tours or things like that. And then out of the Eva Foundation grew Alliance for Girls, which is a trade association of Bay Area girl service agencies. I'm the chairman of the board of that nonprofit organization, and it is dedicated to uh, promoting the work of girl service agencies, getting them to work together to create a strong voice for girls. Yeah. And to fuel hope in the heart of a girl, what does that mean for the girls applying for the fellowship? Well, the way the process works is a girl can't apply for a fellowship. She has to be nominated, and then she has to be seconded. So the concept is that a girl who may not have had a lot of support in her life builds a base of support underneath her. We call this idea a cradle of care. So she has several adults who engage with her. And again, it's these simple things, as I mentioned, like going to camp, going on college tours, things like that, that... um, that middle-class kids are sort of do as a matter of course, but a lot of these girls aren't able to do that. And so when you are in a situation where you want to do something and you feel that you can't and somebody reaches out to help you, it really, that's where the fuel hope idea comes from. That Mm -hmm. you feel that you've, you know, you've set a goal to do this and you've accomplished it. And we have um, on our website, you can read, many letters from girls who uh, we ask them to write us a, a brief letter when they finish their program. Yeah. And uh, you can read the of these letters from the girls. It's, it's such an empowering uh, program for young women, uh, young girls rather. And like you said, I guess it just, just takes that little spark can make all the difference in their lives to, Hey, I can do this. And who knows what's going to come from that. That's right. It's one step along the way for them. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you like to do in your free time? I'm an athlete. I've been an endurance cyclist, and you certainly read about that, and mm-hmm. that also was integrated into Without Jenny. And I'm a dancer. I've been dancing since I was in college and continue to take dance classes several times a week. In oh, wow. Where I live. What kind so of dancing? It's a jazz-based exor- dance exercise program. Oh, nice. But yeah. it is really based in dance. It's not based in, in athletics or um, calisthenics, as many of these other programs are. Mm-hmm. It's choreography, and you can do technique in it if you want to, but you don't have to. But I do. Yeah. So. You just get the benefit of exercise from doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you said you're a cyclist, and that is also a part of the novel, Without Jenny. Do you race professionally? No, mostly now. I'm a cycle tourist. But for about 15 years, I engaged in the sport of ultra-cycling, which is super long-distance cycling, the rides of one-day rides of 200 miles or more. There's a whole subculture. Oh, my goodness. And does your wife ride with you? We actually ride a tandem together. And oh. um, 
at a vacation. We often we take a week long tour each year. Usually, we've been doing that for about twenty years. Mm-hmm. I'm about to have a piece published on uh, the Modern Love website that talks about that. Oh, nice. You've written several articles for publication. Do you have a um, subject that you primarily focus on? Um, Basically, grief and bicycling Mm. is what I've written about, a little bit about Judaism. There's links to all of them on markgunther.net. Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specializing in talking with published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life experience as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcast, as well as MP3 download from your computer. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live for my interview with Mark Gunther, author of Without Jenny. For more information about Mark and his work, visit his website at www.markgunther.net. Talk about the significance of Judaism in your life and how has its meaning grown or changed for you over the years? That's a good question. So, you know, Judaism is an ancient religion and it's been through several transitions in its life and after the destruction of the Second Temple by the Romans 2,000 years ago, Judaism was changed into a religion that's basically based in the community. And so a uh, Jewish synagogue is simply a local organization that is sponsored by, sponsored and supported by local Jews who hire a rabbi who's been educated someplace, but there, there isn't a central authority in Judaism, really. Mm. And so, personally, Judaism is a religion of self-examination, of personal experience, of, of self-knowledge. One of the core concepts in Judaism is that you struggle with God. You ask questions. You push yourself into some kind of a thought or a concept, if you remember in um, sort of your early Bible stories, the story of Jacob goes to sleep on a rock and he dreams of this um, battle with an angel mm-hmm. throughout the night and then he wakes up and he's given the name Israel instead. So that's that sort of core idea. So you're always doing that. And I think to circle back to without Jenny, you know, I think that Joy, the protagonist in that book, is constantly struggling with this idea, too. What does it mean to her? How does she experience her grief in a Jewish context? What does Judaism say to her? There's no palliatives, really. It's not like, you know, oh, Jenny is in a better place now, or oh, you do this thing and you'll feel better. 
No, yeah. it really is about the reality, embracing the reality of it, and really struggling to find some kind of meaning. And the, the methods of Judaism, the practice of Judaism is really around this um, struggling to find meaning and to experience love and gratitude in your life, despite so many um, efforts to the contrary, you know, so many things that want to um, make that impossible. And so really Judaism is a religion of process, of, of becoming. Yeah. And so that is very important to us. Uh, certainly when, you know, when Eva died, it was nice to have this process of what do you do? You know, what's the next, what do you do? Like, right, suddenly right. the child is dead, what do you do next? Well, the novel takes you through that process, the process of the first seven days, the next 30 days, the first year, and then every year after that, you remember that just the um, anniversary of a death is called the yard site. And this is a simple activity where you remember in community the death of a person, and everybody stands there with you, and you say a little prayer, and that's it. But the community helps you remember. It's not like they just fade into, into nothingness. Right. I really felt that experience reading without Jenny. I didn't know much about it before reading your novel and just the feeling of community, like you say. Uh, I learned a lot by reading it. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. So what's next with your writing? Are you working on another book? I am. I have two projects that I'm working on. One of them is... uh, I wouldn't quite call it a sequel to Without Jenny, but it sort of continues the lives of those characters. And the second one is a science fiction novel. I've been a long-term reader of science fiction and uh, came up with this idea, and so I have both of those projects in the hopper. Oh, wow. So science fiction, that, that, that's steering in a, an entirely different direction. That should be fun. Yeah, it's a departure, but still it'll be, you know, I think I, my writing style is, It'll be character-heavy, you know, driven by character rather than driven by plot. Yeah. Oh, nice. Are you working on them simultaneously? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I am. Um, going back and going back and forth, and uh, they tend to feed each other. For all I know, they could end up they could end up becoming the same book somewhere <laughs> down the road, yeah. and not different projects at all. Right. Right. You never know, huh? Do you yeah, have no, and that's I think one of the things that one of the things that I've really enjoyed about writing is that process of not knowing. Certainly, you know, many people who write about writing talk about this. You know, uh, you let the characters expose themselves. You uh, you know phrases like get out of the way and let the characters speak, or you know strip away. You strip away all of the extraneous stuff, and then you're left with the basic story after that, and so. That process of discovery is one of the things that I really enjoy about writing. You really yeah. don't know where it's going to go when you write something on the page. It really, you know, you write it and you think it stinks. But then you look at it a few weeks later and you say, well, yeah, that stinks. But if I think about it in this other way, maybe it doesn't stink at all. And then it can take you off in a different direction. Yeah. So you have to strip away judgment and just allow, allow what is there within you to emerge. Yeah. So would you describe yourself as a, a pantster or a plotter? Definitely a pantster. In fact, when I was in the MFA program, I kept saying, you know, 
when I work on my, because I was working on Jenny and I really didn't know where it was going. And I said, you know, the next book I write, it's all going to be designed up front. And I'm going to write a, you know, write an outline. I'm going to write to the outline, but it turns out I couldn't do that at all. That was yeah. completely artificial. I think that's why I have a hard time writing because I have those tendencies. I want everything in its place. And so I need an outline and I need to write this part first. And, you know, that, <laughs> definitely not a pantser. It can be really terrifying to just sit down and look at the empty page. Yeah, and absolutely. Not, not to know where it's going and, and dealing with that terror is a part of uh, becoming a writer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have a writing routine? Yeah, generally in the afternoons, I, I generally I exercise and do my, I exercise in the morning and then I come back to my desk and get rid of my email and uh, do you know, any work things that have come up. And then I try to write in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing to promote without Jenny? Um, mostly I have been trying to learn how to be active on social media, mm-hmm. which uh, for a person of my generation is not a, um, an easy thing to do, really. I tend not to think in those terms. So I've done a few readings and otherwise, you know, uh, reach out for reviews and just try to slowly build. I'm thinking that this is a book that can have relevance for many years. It's not particularly topical. So... Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm in this phase of kind of trying to quietly build a base for it, collect reviews, get more activity on Amazon and that sort of thing. And uh, that's it. But, you know, I'm sort of learning as I go in this. It's a completely new world for me. Yeah. Now, you do have a publisher. How has that experience been for you? The publisher was very supportive in the development process and, you know, doing the the editing and the, the designing the cover and, and positioning the book commercially, but this particular publisher doesn't do much on the promotion side, so that's pretty mm. much all in my hands. It seems that the marketing is the least favorite part of the business for most authors. Well, that's it. You know, when you read the um, various writers' blogs, everybody is frustrated about this. And, uh, you know, I think nonfiction books, in a way, it's easier Perhaps it's easier because you have a specific thing and you develop your specific platform and, and you can write about that. But I think with, you know, with fiction, particularly with a subject like grief, which most people don't like to embrace, yeah. you know, you can't go make an appearance at the grief convention. Yeah, but there's a you know, specific so. audience. I think your book, I think it would also serve as guidance for those going through the process themselves, really. Yeah, I, I hope that it would, and that's what the dedication is to. The dedication is for all who read, and that's who I was thinking about when I was writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was thinking about all of the all of the people who are in the same boat as me, and or the people who may feel alone and may not have a community to support and embrace them. I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to reach out, reach out and touch them and say, your experience isn't unique. Here's my experience, and I want to share that with you. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, as a final note, I was wondering what advice you might have for aspiring authors. Allow yourself to write. Allow yourself to fail. Realize that it's not a magical process, that it's really, it's, it's labor. It really is work. And sometimes when you go to work, you feel good, and sometimes when you go to work, you feel crappy. But you always go to work. 
And that, I think, is the single thing that, you know, be kind to yourself. Mm. Allow the process to work for you. You know, listen to your heart. Let it speak to your fingers and uh, get the words on the page. The only way you're going to be a writer is if you write. And so don't have value judgments about it. Believe in yourself, believe in your project, and that it's going to unfold in a way that's going to be meaningful to you. And it might take a long time. You know, in my case, it took it took eight years. You know, yeah. other people who are more talented than me, you know, they can turn out a book a year and they can be good books. But that wasn't the case for me. And right. so uh, that's what I would say. You know, allow yourself to write. That's great advice. Just allow yourself to be. Mark, it's really been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to uh, seeing You're what's welcome. next for you. Well, thank you, Sherry. And uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to whatever comes next. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today on Inside Scoop Live for my interview with Mark Gunther, author of Without Jenny. For more information about Mark and his work, visit his website at www.markgunther.net. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. 